you could turn it like that. Am I, am I on? Okay. Morning. Um, I actually just want to say something first. Uh, I apologize. I know this is youth-led worship, but I actually just turned 18 today, so I'm kind of sneaking in. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> Last month, our town was hit by one of the worst natural disasters it has yet, yet faced, at least in my memory. But despite the tragedy we all face, our community came together better than I could have expected. We helped one another out in ways that I'm still marveling at. And I have no doubt that there are people in this room who have lost something in that fire, whether it's a small trinket left behind or a memory of a place that doesn't exist anymore, or if it's something big, like your home or your friend's home. But as the passage put it, we felt parts of our body hurting and we came together and soothed its ache. And that's wonderful. But there's a phrase that I heard on a podcast once that goes a bit like this. We as Americans are fantastic at acute compassion, but we're kind of terrible at chronic empathy. Coming together in the very beginning, responding to a tragedy is not our problem. We do that brilliantly. It's just keeping up that level of compassion and commitment that we struggle with. I'm sure you remember um, about three years ago, there was a fire that wreaked similar devastation in Lake County. Um, the destruction was very similar to what happened here this last month. But what happened to the people who lost everything in that fire? The people who are similar to the people we look at next to us today. What has happened to them? What care has, has been and is still being provided for them today? The sense of urgency we felt then has not lasted to today. It's moved on to the latest crisis. It's moved on to our fire. It's moved on to Texas. A paper cut that smarts for only a little bit still needs to be cared after to heal properly. But let's take that paper cut and make it just a tiny bit bigger. Not a tiny bit. Let's say you got into a car crash. It, it's not a really big one. The cars are just a bit bumper to bumper collision. It's not that bad. But during the collision, you got a small cut on your arm. Say it's like right here, it's about two to three inches long. It's not that serious, but it still hurts <laughs> a lot. So what you're going to do is you go and you put ointment on it, you bandage it up, you make sure it's clean and healthy, and you take care of it for the next couple weeks. And, it, and after that, it'll be right as rain. You might still have a mark there, but your body will have healed. But what if you couldn't feel pain in that arm? What if there's some sort of nerve damage in that crash? And you might be able to see the blood, but you wipe it off and you, you don't feel any of the pain. What if you were so numbed to the cry of agony in your limbs that you couldn't feel it, you couldn't respond to it? This is what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell the church of Corinth, that the neglect of one of its members, in this case our arm, was to the detriment of the whole body. We are not separate from one another. We're dependent on those around us for our very survival. 
And if someone is hurting it become, and it becomes isolated, it affects us all. And this concept applies to our personal lives as well. Take this. I am a senior in high school. I've had to deal with people asking me about what college I want to go to, what I want to study, and so on for years now. But up until about a couple months ago, I didn't try to deal with it. I would, when people asked, I would give the simplest answer I could and move on from the topic as, as fast as I could. I didn't want to deal with it. I was scared. I was stressed out. And so I effectively just ignored it. I, it was overwhelming. And as time went on, it got harder and harder. Ignoring it became more painful, more stressful, and it began to affect other parts of my lives. I would snap at people I cared about. I would ignore my chores and school assignments, and the repercussions from that were not great. <laughs> um, and just actively acknowledging it was really stressful. It hurt. So I numbed myself to that pain. Although um, I know that that's a very small issue, but I do suspect some other people in here might have to deal with the same sort of thing in other parts of their lives. Um, like, for example, paying taxes. <laughs> I have watched my parents um, put it off for a couple years um, because, and I understand it, it's boring, it's stressful, and maybe a little bit scary to do that, but it's also other things. Like, let's say one of your friends calls you when you're busy, and you're just like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that right now. I love them, but that's a lot of, oh, that's stressful. I don't want to touch it right now. So you don't call them back. And this is an issue that we deal with every single day. The idea that we ignore something and put it off, hoping that it'll go away, and then turning around and saying, oh, my gosh, it's still there. It's like lurking around the corner, and you're just like, just got to ignore it. Don't look at it. But remember that cut on your arm. What if because you've ignored it and it's gone unaddressed, it gets infected? And you don't know this. You can't feel this arm. So it's hurting, but you don't know it and you're numb to it. But now, through its numbness, it's become something the entire body has to deal with. Infection does spread. It doesn't just stay isolated to your arm. It affects your entire body. And this is effectively what our world, what our communities have done to things that we don't want to deal with, the less savory issues that we face. Let's think of it another way. Suppose that that numbness has manifested into something worse in your lack of care for it. Suppose that your body has become infected with leprosy. It's a bit of an image, isn't it? It's something that we, through um, the Bible, have been uh, exposed to and say, oh, that's serious. Um, because in the big picture, we as a nation are very self-absorbed. We care for only what's around us. We look straight ahead and ignore the peripherals. It's n there's nothing on these sides. We don't care about that because we're focused dead ahead. But there are people in those peripherals. Well, we are comfortable looking ahead, and I admit, I do this too. 
there are people to the sides of us that we are not looking at that are uncomfortable. People who are facing issues that they need help with, but we cannot see. And we're people who like our comfort, so we don't look. And there's nothing wrong with liking comfort. I, I like comfort. I like sitting at home and being in my bed and being like, oh, it's so warm and nice in here. I don't want to get up. But the problem is, is that there are people who are uncomfortable that I'm actively ignoring because I'm staying comfortable. But as we've learned from Paul's words, what does this cost us? The problem with leprosy is that the body cannot physically acknowledge when it's wounded. That there is pain and there's suffering in the body and we have to deal with it. But we can't feel it. And so we've effectively become infected ourselves. Paul in his time was trying to deal with the fractionization of within the church. He wrote to the church of Corinth to try and open their eyes to the fact that these same things were happening to them. That they were merely perpetuating the classist regimented structure within the church communities that had been plaguing their time. Corinth was hurting due to the infection spreading through its limbs. The wanting togetherness that was fracturing the unity of the church. The purpose of a community is to come together and to care for one another. Especially so for ours. We are called to expand the body of Christ, not to cut it down, not to ignore it. When we hurt, we don't look outside ourselves. We look straight ahead. We need an effective, healthy community to care for people in our own peripherals. And beyond Corinthians, through the scripture, God has called people to himself to send out into the world and to care. But we haven't. We haven't been able to because we are so focused on cutting ourselves off. We are so focused on structuring each other, segregating different parts of the church, saying you are more important than you. And it's a problem. And it's become such an issue within our body that it's been affecting the rest of the world. Politicians out there, corrupt politicians, spread this sort of idea that has infected our body, infected our church, into the greater world, the people who are not in the body of Christ. People of color, the LGBTQ community, Muslims, Jewish people, and people of other religions, they all suffer because the Christian community, the Christian body, the body of Christ is supposed to be loving and caring. And we haven't always been the best at that. And as in Corinth, we have been challenged to tear down the walls of our peripherals and to look at those around us. But we can't do that without healing our body first, without it becoming effective. But we're working on it. As slow as it may seem, our world is moving towards tolerance and love. Our communities are becoming accepting. We were plunged into a bit of a dark age and we regimented ourselves off, but we are slowly blossoming again. We're growing again. We're learning to be the body of Christ. And it's a slow process. I turned in my first applications. I did that, and I'm proud of myself. Every year, you all, I hope, pay your taxes. Um, 
we call and text our friends back. Corinth took a deep look at itself and followed Paul's advice. They, they opened themselves up, and Corinth benefited from it. They healed. We are moving towards healing, even if the process is gruelingly slow. And we as a body do hurt, but it's not impossible to heal. And we've shown that. We are. We're getting better. And Jesus himself once reached out to a leper. He touched a leper when he did not need to. He could have just spoken a word and said, you are healed. But he touched one, challenging our comfort. And we must follow in his examples. We must tear down the walls of our peripherals and look around us. All it takes is learning to look in a bit of empathy and love. I should just say amen. <laughs> Actually, I will say amen. That's beautiful. Friends, this is the joy that we find ourselves in this place, that, that we come together and we are a part of a body. I'm going to invite us for a moment to do something maybe a little uncomfortable, but don't get too crazy. It's not going to be that uncomfortable. I'd encourage you to look to the person to your right and left and look at them for a good 10 seconds. Just look at them. Observe them. <laughs> Take it all in. Whether you know it or not, here's what you and I just observed. A very complex connection of cells. About 37.2 trillion cells all connected together. Every cell containing everything you need to be you or to be them. All of them. All the cells together form us. And, and we come here this morning because we acknowledge that God creates something with intention, and not just something, someone, someones. We are not just simply organisms. We are God's children, and we are the body. And the thing about us that, that defines us, hopefully, is this, that regardless of our differences, we are each unified by one thing, and that is this, one consciousness, God's consciousness, who's called to us by name, to be a part of something larger than we naturally find ourselves in. In the world we live in, there's, there's basically a system that we may or may not acknowledge, but you start at the bottom and you work your way up and hopefully get to that point where you get to sit behind the desk and make the call, and that's it. That's it. Like, that's the dream. That's the system that we, we tend to kind of abide in, and yet God has invited us into something new. We are the body. As verse 12 says, we are the body, but it's the spirit that makes us one. Living in faith, we cannot live without this body. We cannot live without our family. So look to your neighbor again. They may be rich. They may be not so rich. They may be tall. They may be short. They may drive an SUV. They may drive a Prius. But we're all in this together. All of us are in this body together. And so from this point on, as we look at, at, at the words of Paul, as we heard these beautiful words of Galenas, that's what we get to live into. So I have a few uh, observations and we will continue. In Galatians 3, it says, In Christ's family there is no division, nor Jew, nor Greek, slave, nor free, male or female. Among us we are all equal. 
All of us have equality. There is no ladder up. We're in this, all of us, together. The second part is this. The body needs every cell. Every cell. The body needs you. The body needs me. In verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. Diversity is important. It's vital if we're going to have a strong body. We need each other. We need differences. We need different passions. We need different people in different phases of life. We need each other. This is not, oh, that church that just does this and that church just does that. We are the church. We need this body whole. We were created with purpose for the body. God creates us for this body. The body that knows that we're not just some kind of random mistake. The body who knows that we were formed with care, with love, with intention, and that we're to contribute, to be a part of this body. In verse 18, it says, but in fact, God has placed, hear that please, friends. God has placed us, the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Every one of us in the body together. And the thing is, some of us say, well, why would God make us need others? The world I grew up in, in the 80s, what you did was this. You went to school and you worked 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 and you kind of played a little bit and then you worked some more and your parents didn't know what you were doing half the time and you kept on working until you got to college and then your parents were like, and we're done. But that's not so. Has any parent ever let their child go fully? Are they ever fully done? This morning, Galena woke up 18. Do we stop caring at this point? No. We never stop caring. We're always engaged. We're meant to care. Cells that do their own thing. Cells that don't abide by their purpose. These are the cells that cause cancer. If we don't work for one another, we begin to be infected by something else. This rampant individualism, it's rough. Yes, individually we bring what we bring, but we don't do so in spite of the other parts of the body. And I'm going to tell you, personally, I'm one of those people who's somewhat self-sufficient in my own faith. If you want something done right, right? Here's the problem. I find myself tired at the end of those statements. I, I find myself angry when my son comes, comes to ask me, Dad, can I help? And I'm in the middle of something really important. I very quickly say, no, buddy, not now. Daddy's busy. But what's the cost? Does my son feel a part of it? Do I feel connection to my son? Is there something I'm missing out when I do it all myself? And at the end of the day, do I find myself tired and unable to connect with my family? It's an important question. The second piece is this. We have to watch out for being self-sufficient in our faith. This whole idea of me and Jesus, you won't find it anywhere. I won't find it anywhere in Scripture. It's never, we are never meant to be isolated with our faith with just God. This is going to sound dangerous, and I do apologize, but this actually happened a year ago. My son and I and the rest of the family were in our cabin at Shasta, and we had this beautiful wood-burning stove. It is awesome. It drives me nuts because it's way too efficient, way too hot in my home for my, for my liking. And I, my, mom, my wife said, honey, go put some more in. I'm like, oh. So I went over, and as I'm 
as I'm toiling around with the, with the tongs, my son comes over and says, hey, Dad, I got a question. I said, oh, yeah, what, buddy? What's going on? He's like, hey, Dad, why do we go to church? I'm like, what? He's like, well, I mean, I like church, but how long have you been going to church? I'm like, oh, 38 years. He's like, well, why do you go? And I had this moment. I didn't ask permission, my, my beloved, for this one. I said, oh. And I reached in, and I grabbed a flaming oak log. Sounds bad. I said, hey, buddy, open the, the glass door for me. He opened the glass door, and I walked outside with this thing and put it in our fire pit. And then we kept on talking. And he's like, oh, is that for s'mores? I'm like, sure, it's for s'mores. And then we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And I'm telling you, friends, there's a lot of talking in my house. Micah and I, we come, he's only eight at this point, we talk. And as we're sharing, as I'm saying, buddy, we need each other, and there's so much going on. And he's like, well, I just, I'm just saying, I already know this thing. So I'm like, buddy, it's so much more than knowing. And I thank God for this moment. I said, Micah, 20 minutes ago when we were, when we were doing this, do you remember how hot that log was? How incredibly alive it was and, and, and how it was heating everything? I said, I w we walked outside to the, to the fire pit, and I had a glove on. I'm not that, not that wa wacky. I kind of am. And the log had turned brown and black. It still had heat, but I was able with a, with a very thick glove to pick it up with my hand. I said, son, this is what happens when we try to do it all ourselves. The fire is still in there, but it doesn't burn as bright. And then I snuck it back into the wood stove, and my wife was none the wiser. <laughs> but that's how it is in our faith. We need each other. We need to be a part of this. No more me and Jesus. Micah, in the proverb um, 18, it says, loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. We are created to offer for one body. The story of George Bailey teaches us this too, right? It's a wonderful life. What happens when the world loses George Bailey? Pottersville goes to pot. Friends, this is the gift of God. This is the, the, the blessing that we live into. And as I conclude, honestly, what a joy to share in this together. But not just this morning, every morning. Is that in this body, God becomes our passion. God becomes our focus. God is the one who sparks it, but also keeps us united. In verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in this body, but that in, in its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. Equal acknowledgement. If one part suffers... Every part suffers. But if one part is honored, the whole body rejoices. In Corinth, they had a problem. There was a hierarchy situation. The poor were the last to receive communion because they had nothing to bring. And because of it, there were many times that they had nothing at the end of the communion service because there was no more left. They were also still poor. But not so in this kingdom. 
Paul is reminding us, this is not a kingdom of ladders. This is an upside-down kingdom where the Savior is the one, the only one, who holds everyone else up. The foundation is not wide, it's one. It just so happens that the one that we claim is our foundation is God. And God's the one who lifts us up and holds us together. And that whole ladder, that whole pyramid flattens out. And we are now on the same plane together. Paul says we need to care, especially for those who are in need. We are the body of Christ. There should be no division. And this love we have needs to be sincere love. And to what end? As I said earlier, we have these natural cycles in our life, and here's the hard part. I think sometimes we work, 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 we do our good work, and then we get tired and we kind of opt out and we let others. But I'm more convinced than ever that what we need to do is walk alongside each other better. Every generation, every gift, working in unity together, not just for an event, but every day of our life so that the world would see what love looks like that the world would be invited in and that this body would continue, as Galena put it, and I love this, to grow and grow and grow. That all would be part of God's incredible love and will. Thus, we are all in this together. We are all ministers of the good news.